What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The following podcast contains explicit language. Would you like a voucher for a free cold brew? I'm good, thanks. Hey, didn't this used to be a family fish grow? I don't know, but I heard they're getting rid of all the old stores and turning this into a promenade. So exciting! Hey, this is Aisha, and in case you're wondering why we're coming to your feed earlier than usual, it's because we've got something we must talk about and that couldn't wait until the end of the week, the emotionally heavy season two finale of Insecure. We'll have the second part of this week's episode, a fabulous interview with none other than the queen of New Orleans bounce music, Big Frida, on our normal Friday release day, so definitely look for us then. But first up, it is the morning after the big insecure finale of season two. Verilyn, my lovely producer, is here with me. Hello. (laughs) And we also have, for our listeners, a very special guest returning, Dr. Robin Boylorn, who was so gracious enough to lend her time to recap all of the Bachelorette episodes with Verilyn over our Represent Rose series. (laughs) And now she's back for Insecure. Welcome, Robin. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So... Yeah, we're just going to break this down, talk about the season. We haven't really... Oh, this season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it a bit with uh, Yvonne Orji when she was on a few yeah. weeks ago for uh, for her interview. And we also had Princess Penny on, but that was even before season two had started. So let's just get down to the nuts and bolts of it. First impressions. Robin, let's start with you. What did you think of season two overall? And what was it like to sit through the finale last night? Well, the the season as a whole, I was um, very much invested in Issa's story, her redemption, her investment in this um, hotation, this whole phase <laughs> that, um, that she wanted to have, which was very intentional. And I thought that was very important for us to have that kind of narrative around Black women and sexuality, where instead of being objectified, you know, there was some agency being projected in terms of her intentionality around her sexuality and some of the, you know, and and the ways in which that worked and didn't work and the ways in which this identity of being a hoe um, has all of these layers to it and, it. and it's much more complicated than I think she realized. And I think she also problematized that that term because it's a problematic term. But I think there was this particular type of ownership of it throughout the season. So we got to see what that looked like. And I thought it was interesting through the season that both, interestingly, both um, Issa and Lawrence were going through a whole phase. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, for different reasons and with different outcomes. But I think both of them at the end realized that wasn't really, you know, that wasn't really the move necessarily. It wasn't going to make anything better, mm-hmm. um, despite the intentionality of it. Right. And last night, the um, the season finale, I will admit that I was a little I felt it was a little lacking. I felt like there were some gaps and I don't know if they were intentional or not in the storyline for me. 
And that may be intentional in terms of, oh, I can't wait for season three. But um, there were some moments because we had those, you know, we were it was like three separate stories happening in tandem, you know, with Mm -hmm. with Lawrence and Molly and um, Issa. And so I felt a little like, wait, how do we get here? And so I, I, I kind of wanted it to be longer. I just felt like there were there were some moments, some scenes that I was missing that would have helped bring it all together. And and I guess it felt a little bit lacking in terms of like I, I, it would have almost made more sense for me if last week's episode was the season finale, if that mm. makes sense, than than last night. So it was a little anticlimactic for me, but I still enjoyed it. Mm. Well, let's get to those gaps in a bit. But OK, Verilyn, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't until you said that that I do think that last week's episode with the dinner could have been the season finale. Uh, Maybe a mixture of both of them because I think we all wanted to see Lawrence and Issa confront each other and also talk about their stuff. Mm -hmm. So throughout the season, the whole hotation thing was always, it always felt problematic to me because I knew there was going to be a point when somebody was going to call her a hoe and then it wasn't going to be so cute, which is actually what did happen. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Call her a hoe or treat her like a hoe, right? Like Daniel. Well, I don't think Daniel was treating her at all like a hoe. Yeah, we got, we could get a But I think. I think she felt like he did. I don't think that he had and, any, he was intending to do that, but she felt like one as a result of that, which is why I, the only thing that yeah. makes sense for her being as upset as she was is if she felt like he was treating her like a hoe. Well, okay, so here's my issue with Issa. I mean, I love Issa. I love Issa. I love what she represents. <laughs> but I think my biggest issue with her um, throughout the whole season is her inability to communicate. Right. Yes. Like yeah. how many of things could have been solved even with, you know, with the, with the Latino man that she was dating, you know, at a point, well, not even dating that she went on a date with, but then she wanted to have sex and he was like, I want to date you. And then it was this weird thing where she felt like, again, kind of like embarrassed by him not getting, I guess her imaginary talking points. Cause she actually wasn't saying anything. Right. Right. That That's everyone's <laughs> everyone on this show has problems with communication. Oh, they are so God. terrible. Yes. I mean, I feel like, a, you know, you can't say that without going into that common face moment. Can we say it like that? Should we not say it the like common? That? Oh, I thought you were saying <laughs> yeah. common, common face, no, no. common face. Come, yes. Come face. In face. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> so, I mean, I know that I know personally, I have a better communication than maybe most people when it comes to sex and what you want to do and how you want to do it. But like, if you are going to, you have this epiphany, you go to what sex, what does he call it? Sexploitation? Sexplosion. Sexplosion yeah. events and you, you know, you learn about oral sex or like using a condom, to, which oh, that, that scene was funny because I think like on the low, most women don't use condoms when they're when they're giving oral right. sex. No, no, that's that's oh, pretty right. uncommon. But I mean, that moment where they were like, um, who uses a condom? And then when you're faced with the sex, you know, health person in front of you, you're like, oh, yeah, condoms important. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should use them. <laughs> um, I've definitely been there. Um you know, you have this new revelation about what it means to give oral sex to your man. You've had hangups about it, which I think, like, we've all been there as well. I was with her right up until the point in which she goes down on him. And I guess some people can say, like, okay, well, if you talk about it, you remove the sexiness. But you don't talk about it in that moment, right? You talk about it before you even start pouring the drinks. You say, hey, babe, like, I just went to this thing. They were talking about oral sex. How do you like it? How You know, these are the, this is my experience with it. Maybe even talk about your hangups. Don't get to the point in which you're giving him 
oral sex and then things don't go the way you want them to go because you had an image of how it's supposed to go in your mind. Or if you don't have that conversation, don't freak the fuck out afterwards. Because yes. to me, that was the right. worst part. Yeah. And it felt it reminded me a lot of. I hate to say it, partially because Sex on the City is more in my mind, like fresh in my mind than Girlfriends is. And I know that the show is more close to Girlfriends, I think, in many ways than it is to Sex on the City. But like that episode mm-hmm. in particular felt very Sex on the City like from the way in which they all have this conversation at the sex uh, event where um, their friend Tiffany was basically the the um, Samantha and being mm-hmm. like, I love giving oral sex. And the other ladies are like, ew, I don't do and that. And this is how I got, I got the ring, whatever right. she said. And then her like, then Issa's like explosion at him afterwards was so carry. Like it was so like, I can't believe you did like, like getting upset <laughs> for no Good yeah. reason. Like it's one thing to be like embarrassed and upset, like upset about it to yourself, but the way in which she blamed Daniel and then in the next yeah. episode blamed him again. I really do feel like Issa is very irrational in many ways in her ho ho phase. Well, I'm glad she attempted it. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, good girl. Like it's clear that it wasn't working and she kept going at it longer than she should have. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So my thoughts on this season. Uh, just really quickly and on this last episode is for me, it felt to me like this entire season was about a transition for all of them and being stuck in that transition. And, you know, at the in the first season, we're like learning who these characters are and we're getting to know them. And this season, it was more like, okay, their lives have all like exploded in some way between Lawrence and Issa breaking up. Molly at the beginning of this episode or beginning of the season finds out that one of her coworkers is waking more than she is. And he's a white dude, mm-hmm. and even, even mm-hmm. though he does much less. And so they're trying to figure things out. But like instead of it being like one or two episodes of them like stumbling and falling they're stumbling and falling throughout the entire yeah. season, which yeah. I appreciated because it was uncomfortable to watch the entire time. I was constantly screaming at my TV being like, what are these people doing? Why are they making all these mistakes that are so obviously bad for them? Like, why mm-hmm. are they not seeing these signs? And I feel like this this finale kind of solidified it, but also moved them a step ahead. Um, and I think those gaps you were talking about, um, Robin, it wasn't upset. Like, it, it, I didn't feel like it was lacking. I felt like that was sort of the intention was to move them forward, whether it's Lawrence and Issa finally having that confrontation and Molly finally going out and seeking, uh, getting interviews, taking interviews, and also even like finally flirting with uh, Lil Rel's character, <laughs> the colleague. I did not see yeah. that coming. I oh, thought, really? I oh, I saw that them. coming. I, from... I, I kept thinking there was going to be like a flashback or like, I mean, a. Uh, uh, a, 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 a dream sequence of some sort. Uh, I didn't think that it was actually happening until they never came back to reality. <laughs> oh, I saw that coming from a mile away. I was like, oh, like even two. Well, I know he wanted it for sure. No, I, I knew, I knew, I saw that he was going to try something. I saw that he wanted to be with her, but she totally was like, I mean, she gave homeboy her, his popcorn. But consider what Molly has been through this season and her trying out new things that she wouldn't have tried before, whether it's being in this open relationship with Dro or trying turning down the Sterling uh, Sterling K. Brown character, yeah. even though he was like right. perfect on paper. Like to me, I, I could see it naturally. Like he was going to be the one pursuing her, the, the Laurel character, but she was eventually going to in some way reciprocate it and be like, oh, maybe I could see that. That so, therapist, that therapist visit. Well, I'm glad she went back to the therapist. Too. Yeah, me too. That like, was the, important. Yeah, yeah. there, there was yeah. a lot of like coming back around. Um, but then at the end, we see that then like, at the, the last we see of Molly, she's 
still screwing around with Dro for some reason. And like Issa, for whatever reason, is like crashing at Daniel's instead of her brothers. It's so, yeah. <laughs> that's what, and that's what really got me. I was like, but wait, <laughs> you know, like, how did we get here? Because yeah. I thought that Molly was was done with Dro because I'm and can I just say I'm not convinced that Dro's wife knows they're in an open Me relationship I've had this conversation that. so many times you know yeah so it's like I think he's in an open relationship it's unclear that his wife is and it's definitely <laughs> unclear that his wife knows he's fucking his friend that she's also friends with yeah so I just that makes me really and I feel like Molly is setting herself up for all kinds of heartbreak because even if that could potentially work she's she's always going to be the side chick she's never going to be that's not a real relationship for her. Mm-hmm. And I think that could work for people who, with whom that works with, just like polyamory and, you know, all of that. But for Molly, I just don't think it's not going to end well. And it, so it makes me, I was really glad when she told him, I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, good. And then she did it again. And I just didn't see that coming. I, yeah. I didn't see that coming at the end. I've had many conversations about this. And I do think that I believe that Dro and his his wife are in, in an open relationship. I think too often people, like, they assume that just because a guy, so, just because someone says that, that they're, might, they're trying to play a trick on the person or they're trying to deceive them. I mm-hmm. do think they're in an open relationship. I don't think she knows that they, her and Molly, Molly. are doing anything. Yeah. But, like, again, open relationships, there are many different kinds. Some people prefer not to know what's happening with the other partner at all and, like, that's their thing or you know sometimes they have limits of like yes but not friends or blah 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 um but yeah i agree i totally agree with everything else in the fact that for molly this does not seem right because this is not what she wants right she She could i I think she could maybe try an open relationship but not with someone like dro who she has Mm. such a heavy she already has an emotional connection with him and like that it's just it's just gonna end up not working out yeah. Whatever it is, whether they are in an open relationship or not, which I have my questions about as well, <laughs> mostly because of the whole dinner scene and just the way that that right. played out and the fact that he had sex with Molly in the bathroom. I think even if you are in an open relationship, I mean, I've never been in one. I've, you know, in my years of blogging about sex and relationships, you know, I have read articles about what it means to be an open relationship, open relationships, but... At the, at the same time, you have to have trust, right? And so I'm not going to trust my husband having sex with the woman he's in an open relationship with. That's his best friend in the bathroom at the dinner. You know, whatever it is, Joe right. is not is yeah. not a trustworthy dude. Yeah. And I think like that moment and then the way he was like, okay, give me a few minutes to go out. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm going to go out, back out. You want to hang back here for a second and come out afterwards? Yeah, sure. And you're treating Molly like yeah. the other woman. Yeah, like, she totally right. doesn't know. She doesn't know. And that, that was just disrespectful in general. Like, there are boundaries and there are rules. Oh, my if, God. If anyone in an old, I, I know lots of people who have been in open relationships. Anyone can, anyone will tell you that, like, it, it's actually, like, probably more work than not being in an open relationship because you have to, like, set boundaries. You have to constantly mm-hmm. yeah. be communicating. And that and was like, just clearly... Th- what we have. I'm like, what do you have? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, she can't... Mess, you know, it's what, what we have is not going anywhere or something like that. And I'm just like, that does not feel like the language. Again, communication. That's not mm-hmm. the way a dude that's in an open relationship would communicate. Right. That sounds like a dude that's, like, has a, a, a side chick. You right. Know, that's how you, that's how you communicate with the second woman. That's fair. 
Right. Yeah, I can I can see it being either way, honestly. But I, I I don't know. I still believe that they they might. She's traveling all the time. She's probably getting hers wherever too. Yeah, I'm not mad at her, but yeah. I mean, yeah. So I'll be interested to see the outcome of that because I have a feeling that there's going to be an issue between the wife and Molly when the oh, wife yeah. finds out. For sure. And I think it's going to be because she's like, you're fucking my husband. Like mm. nobody's supposed to fuck my husband but me. I don't think they're real. You know, because Dro just comes across to me as like a slick, light-skinned dude that's just on <laughs> Why you got to be light-skinned though? <laughs> I know he's light-skinned. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, because there's a particular way that pretty boys come at you and he and it's just slick <laughs> and it is, it's charming as fuck but it's ingenuine. Mm. And like he knows that she probably has had a crush on him, you know, and, and there's that colorism dynamic, right? There's that dynamic of the dark skinned girl with the pretty boy across the street that probably, you know, and they probably she probably never felt like she could get him. And he's, and then, he's like, he's is he supposed to be Dominican or do they mention? His, I think, well, he's, he's definitely from a Afro-Latino, um, maybe. Yeah. 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 yeah because yeah. they were speaking Spanish, Spanish yeah. but, right, you right. know, yeah. But that yeah. is the same thing to me. Mm-hmm. Light skinned brown, that, <laughs> that slick, you know, pretty boy aesthetic. <laughs> I think we all agree you're a huge asset to the firm. Thank you. However, it is uh, unusual to start negotiations so far ahead of your annual review. Right. But given when Grayson and McKinney were promoted to partner, this firm has demonstrated that it is not bound to timing when it comes to recognizing hard work. We hear you. We really do. And uh, when your review comes around next year, all of this will be very useful. We mentioned a little bit about the challenges Molly's having at work, right? And that to me, I mean, I want Molly to win in her love life, but particularly in her job because she works so hard. And it was interesting because like who among us, at least I'll speak for myself, like that moment where you're like... All right, you have the black company (laughs) (laughs) that that sees your worth. I've been there. And then you have the white company that has the potential to pay you a whole lot more and get you a little further in your career. And I felt like that that dynamic was so good to see on screen because, like, who among us have not experienced that? That's real. That's real. The whole show, I think, as as much as we talk about it, and the juiciest parts seem to be the the relationships, the interpersonal relationships. Like, it's such a good workplace show as well. Like, I. All of these things, you know, we've seen a bit of these dynamics in other shows, especially more recent shows like Blackish or um, even Girlfriends or a lot of episodes where, like with them dealing with yes, work issues. Yeah. But I feel like it's very it's very different here and especially Issa's storyline with like her whole like moral conundrum okay, okay. and her right. sinking into like becoming like she made me root for Frida. Yo, and, like, Frida right. was Frida was Frida's my girl. I love I, yeah, I, I actually really, really like Frida. I now. like Frida, yeah. yeah I really yeah. like her now. Okay, so here's yeah. the conundrum that I, I mentioned to Aisha. But um actually my boss our boss asked and I think he'll be fine with me saying this out loud. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, I'll see if employed next week. <laughs> Uh, our boss says um, he asked me like do you think that Issa because he watches Insecure which is awesome um, (laughs) do you think that Issa is racist for the way that um, she was co-signing the principal who wasn't letting the Latino students into the We Gotcha after school program 
Uh-huh. And, you know, at first when he was talking to me about it, I gave him the, you know, the stat, the, the common reframe, the common reframe, like black people can't be racist because right. we don't have institutional power. <laughs> it's like literally someone says, is a black person racist? And then this is exactly what you always say afterwards. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yes. But then I thought about it as I, ta- as I thought about like institutional power. And right. him as a principal Having does that have institutional power. power over these kids. And when you factor mm-hmm. in the fact that these are not white kids, these are brown kids yes. that he's in many ways oppressing or like at least not giving them the same opportunities that the black kids are getting. It's like a whole other layer. Yeah. Of like, yeah. yeah. At the same time, though, uh, is he racist? But, but, at the, but then I think... Bigoted, yes. Yeah, bigoted. And then also the fact that, you know, anyone that's watched the last episode, they know that Issa and Frida have come around and they're like giving out posters and they confront him. And what does he say? He says... Um, You're turning away Latino students. They deserve to have the same opportunities as everyone else. These are kids. <laughs> Girl, calm down. Ain't nobody dead. I've literally met this man before, and it's like <laughs> the worst, the worst experience. Um, the fact that they were able to turn it around and change it, which is not something that, um, as black people, we can do with white supremacy. <laughs> Right, right, right. Then, right. then does he really? I mean, he has institutional power, but the fact that it can be um, turned over so readily, then mm-hmm. maybe I don't know. And he's definitely bigoted. Then, but then maybe he's not racist. It's also it, it's not quite institutional power because he's one cog of a very large education system. This is one school that he's affecting. He's not affecting. Right. Granted, obviously, every child's life matters, but yes. like, yeah. but like, it's it's very different in that it's very localized. And you know, it, again, as we see in this final episode. Her the solution is to basically segregate the Latino kids. Why was on that the, the solution? I was so confused by that. I don't know. That I mean, I guess that's probably another gap that we could have used yeah. a little more information on. Yeah, I wanted to know how they got there. My guess is that Issa felt that this was the most non-confrontational way to mm. fix it, and mm-hmm. the easiest way to make it happen quickly. She was just like, okay. Let's this this will be easy. The black kids will have it during the week, and the Latino kids will have it on the weekend, which. It's horrible. Again. It, yes, it is yeah. horrible. But yeah. Issa's flawed. They're yeah. all flawed. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. What yeah. did you think about um, Frida getting the promotion? Um, I think the most memorable part about that for me, I think, that's because I think she deserved it because I think she's the one who who handled that or would have handled it best in terms of being confrontational with um, the problematic principle, um, you know, because Issa kept, kept keeping her from doing that. But the most interesting part about that scene for me was the white guy thinking he should have gotten it. You know, he was yes. more qualified. Yes. Okay, wait, she got promoted? Yes, I need to feel confident about who I have in charge. Frida has spearheaded several initiatives here. She's more than capable. I'm more, more than capable. I so agree. Thank you, Joanne. So it wasn't even, you know, in terms of the black woman didn't get it. A white, it was like a white, a woman got it anybody over him because he's the most qualified and I thought how telling that was even though it was a small moment it was very representative of the expectations of of white males to Mm -hmm. always be given the opportunity and if and when they're not it must be some affirmative action shit Mm -hmm. right yeah it can't be because she actually deserved it and earned it it has to be because you know they they are you know discriminating against white men again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how we do that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we need to wrap this up soon, but 
I think we should definitely talk about that final. Well, not it's not the final scene, but like the third act scene in which Issa and Lawrence have that moment that f- that f- finally that cathartic like mm-hmm. let's talk mm-hmm. about this in the apartment because I feel like it was a long time coming and I was actually kind of surprised I for me I've I was never rooting for them to get back together like I just kind of wanted it to be you know they're doing their own thing. We follow them each on their way. They like clearly still have feelings about each other, but I didn't necessarily think they were feelings of wanting to get back together, at least on Lawrence's end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that kind of surprising, but I just thought it was really a really well done scene. Like I thought it was the way they both basically said everything that I think most people were thinking about their characters. To, yeah. Like they finally admitted to themselves what they are. I just thought that was great. What about yeah. you? Hmm. Farrellyn has thoughts. I felt yeah. it was so unsatisfying to me. Really, I was not satisfied. I wanted, I don't know. I wanted him to because I think like the whole the whole thing about the Lawrence Hive is like she like it was so much blame going on Issa without acknowledging Lawrence's blame in that. And I just kind of felt like the things that he said didn't really like give credence to the years of I don't know. Maybe I'm just a right. little jaded, but I wanted him to. I wanted something specific. But he said, he said, what did he say? Well, first he says, I feel like I'm fucking everything up right now. And then he also said, like, when things didn't go my way, I reacted in a way that was, like, totally out of line. And to me, that was him admitting Mm -hmm. that, like, admitting that he wasn't. And he also says, like, I wasn't what you wanted, expected me to be, and I wasn't what I expected me to be. So I feel like he acknowledged pretty equally. I mean, granted she was more specific in what she was talking about? Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I I was satisfied by it. Hmm. I don't know, because I think that for for me, it was... um, Because I like specificity, too, like in apologies. I like to know that you know what you did and what you're sorry for. So not just like a blanket, oh, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry for this, this, and this. So, um, and I feel like it could have been a, um, like a, Waiting to exhale soundtrack. I was your lover and your secretary. You know what I'm saying? Because she was actually over the, you know, like because she had she she held him down for so long. They were together for five years. And so it's like they did. And it's like they've done so much damage to each other in the five month breakup or however long, you know, they, they had been separated. That the that the five years got lost, and that's uh, yes, that's exa- I think that's that's what I'm getting to, right? I think like he like the reason that they're I don't think he acknowledged why they broke up in the first place. I think the fact you know obviously her cheating on him was the like the the the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. yeah, but like there was so much that happened before that, and I wanted them to have that conversation because there's no what is it? There's no without truth. There's no reconciliation, right? And right, so until you right. acknowledge not just the immediate things that's been happening, but everything that came before it that brought you to this point, then how can you how can you really go forward? I feel like maybe that's that takes even maybe a year or two in therapy to really get them to flesh it out. Maybe they both yeah. are not there yet, but I, I guess I just wanted more because I kind of saw how what happened before led them to make the mistakes that they were kind of talking about in that moment. Yeah, that's fair. I do also think, though, this is like the first of probably many more conversations that are going to come up, or at least I hope it is. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to remember, this is the first conversation they've had that wasn't filled with animosity, wasn't filled with like 
tension. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like this was the first conversation they had. They were in their apartment that they both shared together. And I do think that, you know, maybe this is like the first step towards them moving forward. Now, at the same time, I do think the fact that we do see here at Daniel's house later says to me, it like it proves your point in a way. Like there are still some unresolved things like she didn't have mm-hmm. to go to daniel's place mm-hmm. like she was desperate but not that she had uh, she had brother. kelly yeah. offering to hook her up with right. her molly also molly and, say with me. and her brother yeah. like she so she's clearly there's still a lot of work to be done yeah. and to me yeah. that was again that goes back to my feeling about this whole season being a transition like transition yeah. doesn't mean always going forward it's like a few steps forward and then like maybe one or two back and yeah. that's like how you move forward and i i feel like that to me maybe i'm reading too much into this but like that's kind of the way i see this whole season you said something um when we were on the culture gap fest talking about insecure that i've been thinking about since that show as i'm watching it is that you kind of everyone kind of takes a position of how they can relate to it right yes, yeah. and so maybe that's what you know all three of us are doing oh i and think like yeah. to- the yeah. show totally lent itself <laughs> oh, to sure. that yeah yeah like, yeah we all see ourselves or see someone we know in these characters yeah. and i think that's also what makes us so brilliant in a way yeah absolutely Absolutely. Because I think the biggest frustration for me in that breakup scene or not or the conversation scene is that this version of Lawrence is the version of Lawrence that Issa deserved in the relationship. Mm. He wasn't that version of himself. (laughs) So it's like he becomes this better person. Like Tasha couldn't get this version of him that's ready to commit to Prana or at least that's Mm. willing to fight a little bit for her. Wait, can we we pause? Lawrence's friend calls her Jasmine. I died. (laughs) I know. <laughs> when, he, when he calls a Parna, Jasmine. Yes, oh my I God. died because it's such a specific joke that like you blink and you miss it. Yeah, I, I heard that and I was like, did he? Re- he really he, he called her Jasmine. <laughs> Robert, do you, do you get the reference? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. But that whole and conversation. I was trying to think of his friend Ch- Chad. Chad. Chad, just, yeah. Chad is just such a gem in the show. Like the things he, <laughs> he says, needs, he and needs he to so, get better be, friends. And he'd be dead ass. Like yes. he'd be saying the most ironically hilarious shit and he'd be dead ass serious. Like what did he say? I he... see your edges. I see them edges, girl. <laughs> I was like, what? Or when it, when he was like, she don't need to have other other male friends. It's just an extra, extra dick. dick for no reason. <laughs> for no reason. I'm like, <laughs> what? Oh my, oh my god! They're show- yeah. Lawrence has some terrible friends. He does. Terrible he's friends. hilarious. <laughs> but Kelly's pretty hilarious too. Yes. Yes. Kelly, yeah. Yes. She could be a little terrible. <laughs> yes. Well. Yeah. Well, I think this episode for me, I I enjoyed it. I also really loved uh, Melina Matuska's direction she's okay. you know she did formation the formation video beyonce yeah. she did the thanksgiving episode of master of none she also did we found love by rihanna like she's yes. just like and you could tell there are a lot of like different visual like it felt even ambitious in that way and that there were like different camera swipes there was like long tracking shots at, like with isa and lawrence walking to the apartment like oh yeah I just mm-hmm. love the way it, like, the show always looks great, but, like, this one felt especially, like, mm. f- for lack of a better word, like, it felt very cinematic. Nice. Yeah. So, very, very nice. shout out to her. And also, yeah. shout out, did you notice in the first scene, Issa's sweatshirt and what it said? Yes, niggas. It said niggas. That's hilarious. Just like, yes. <laughs> walking through the newly gentrified yes. I would. I would. <laughs> and, AKA you <Inglewood>. know, <laughs> Right. And then yeah. stopped. 
to talk to the, you know, the white woman who is, you like, know, it's like gonna the be representation a of the, I'm like, what, yeah, what? And it's like, what? <laughs> Yeah, gentrification <laughs> yeah. was a huge, another kind of, like, theme throughout this season, right? It yeah. started off with the noise post on her wall. Mm-hmm. Then right. she gets the rent, rent hike uh, notice. Right, dreaded rent hike. The, and then that scene at the dinner with the Popeyes being gone reference, right? You know oh, right. You know the hood is about to change when the when the fast food restaurant starts disappearing, the chicken spots. When the chicken spot is gone, yeah. And then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then the whole, like, I would thing. Yeah. yeah, that but was, that was also see. just really well sprinkled in. Ugh, the show. It makes me yeah. so happy. Like, every time I, like, it's just thinking about what it means and, like, just, like, the like the fact that East is doing it with this cast, with these directors, that is representing this particular kind of blackness and women and friendship. Like, it's just, like, it's just everything that I want in a show just, like, existing in the world. Yeah. And it's funny, and <laughs> but then also really drama. Like, it's just, I can't. All of love the things. it enough, and I'm just yeah. so happy it exists. Like Issa, when 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 you come on represent, you know we'll open <laughs> with open arms. <laughs> yes, yes. If you put it out there, it will yeah, happen. it would happen. <laughs> yes. And there was this article where um, she had said she's quoted as saying that this is not a show for dudes and it's not a show for white people. Mm-hmm. And while you know they're welcome to you know to watch, it's not for them. It's for her and her friend. You know she made it yeah. for. Her yeah. family and friends, which I think includes us, and I appreciate that because it 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 um there's so few shows that are for us by us, mm. and that that matters that you know that there's some intentionality around it. She's not trying to she doesn't make any effort to translate anything for white people or to um, water down anything for men. It's mm-hmm. like this the the intended audience for this show is black women Mm. um get it get in where you fit in you know Mm -hmm. and i and i love that i appreciate that yeah well that's a wrap i'm sure there's so much more we could have talked about but I'm so glad we did this. Yay. Yes, it was fun. Thank you, Robin, for joining Thank us yet you. again. Thank you for letting me participate. I appreciate it. And shout out to Brittany Young, who is the engineer in Alabama that's been hooking up Robin yes. every single time she joins <laughs> yes. us. Yay, Brittany. We love you, yes, Brittany. Yes, Brittany is dope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Tell us what you think of Insecure Season 2. And yeah, that's, that's it. And that's all. Represent is produced by the lovely, awesome Marilyn Williams. Our great social media assistant is Marissa Martinelli. And our intro-outro music is performed by the sweet San Francisco funk soul band Midtown Social. Check back for us later this week for Big Frida. Until next time. <laughs>